This is a Life School podcast, episode number 154. And today, we're going to talk about why we're not as generous as we think we are, or could be. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith in every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, and I'm here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Wow, Heath, what do you got for me today? Hey, man, we got special guest Marty Duran talking about generosity. What do you got for me? What do I have for you? Uh, Are you going to live generously? That's what we're talking about today. I'm going to try. (laughs) I got 10 bucks for me. You got a sandwich. A little bit of both. I just, yeah, they're, they're on their way. Some pizza, cold pizza even. I don't care. Let's, <laughs> let's we got do lots it. of free stuff for you. One of the 600 beers you mentioned last week at your place that yeah, you go to. Pine Defiance, man. Like, what do you got for me? Like, let's be generous. <laughs> I'd love to be generous. All right. Time to get our special guest, Marty, on here. Hey, Marty. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Marty. <laughs> Morty. Hey, Marty. Thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, it's good to be here. Me and Morty are doing well. <laughs> I was going to ask how you guys are doing. For those of you who don't know who Marty is, he's the executive editor at LifewayPastors.com, uh, and he's also host of the Pastor Talk podcast that has tools designed to help pastors and other church leaders shepherd their flocks well. And if that's not enough, he's an amazing bread baker, as well as a groups pastor at Green Hills Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. And then you've but he uh, sells his bread for he just told us off off air uh, sixty dollars a loaf. So sixty dollars be yes, some hella bread. It's crazy bread. I'm still, you know, I'm still waiting to sell my first loaf. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the author of three multi dozen selling books. Yeah, they're really up there. That's 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 crazy. I saw that and I was like, wow, you too. That's everybody thinks that if you write books and that you're just rich. Oh my! And word. many and many of my friends are authors, and even some of them big ones. And they tell me this is what I this is what I got last year. You know, yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's right. We're all, we're all writing because we have to. Don't right? drop it and let it roll down the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Marty, the thing that uh, I had asked you to be to talk with us about was based off a book I read of yours called The Generous Soul. Yes. And we'll put the link of that in the show notes. Uh, but this concept of generosity and uh, and a generous posture of heart. Um, and so I was wondering if you could just kind of give us a little bit of an overview about maybe why you wrote that book and why you find um, generosity to be so important. Um, oddly enough, one of the reasons that I wrote that book was because I was unemployed. <laughs> and I was Simple ploy to, to get people to give you money yes, and donate. I was looking How'd to generate go? some income. <laughs> that's, awesome. not, that's not even a lie. And it started kind of based on sermons I had done. So I pulled up all the sermons that I had done on giving and went through all the texts again and and then looked at some some texts that I had not previously preached sermons on. So, but it's not a book of sermons, so it's not like you go to it and you feel like that you're in a six-part series on giving. Sure. At least I don't think it feels that way. Uh, but but it is uh, dealing with some, the theme of generosity or the theme of, I called it in the book, missional giving, which yeah. is— I love that term. Yeah, yeah thanks. Define that a little bit for us. I love that term. Uh, well, it's basically giving as if you are a missionary. So this is one of the things—I don't remember if this is in the book, but it was definitely in my mind. Um, so if, if your church sends out a missionary and you raise the funds and you spend the, you know, the $60,000 or whatever to get them trained and get them on the field, then you're sending them—every month you're sending them money to support them— 
And so they're there for two years. You send a team over and you find out that, you know, they're not really doing mission work. They're taking all the money that they've invested if they bought themselves a little shop and they're, you know, selling trinkets to the tourists. But it's mm-hmm. not really about being on mission. And so the sure. money is is being poorly invested. Well, missional living basically says God has sent all of his people out as as missionaries wherever you live. So if you're in Seattle or if you're in, you know, Oshkosh or if you're in Nashville or if you're in Atlanta or if you're in Novosibirsk, Russia or if you're in Madagascar, if you're a believer, then you have to believe that God in his sovereignty has put you where you are. Yes, you were born there, but God could have moved you somewhere else if he wanted to. So you're there as a missionary. And part of that responsibility as a missionary is to manage what God has given you in a way that reflects a kingdom priority. So it's mm. easy for us to criticize the missionary who takes all of the support money and opens the trinket shop and doesn't really actually do gospel work. But we don't think about ourselves in the same way. So if your church sends a missionary out who's flunking out, how much more does God look at us as the missionaries he's sent out? And we don't view the possessions that he has entrusted to us to manage in a way that reflects a missional orientation. We don't look at our funds. We don't look at our property, all of which belongs to God, as yeah. if we are just managing it for his kingdom's purposes. We grasp, we grab it. Um, mm. And so uh, I think missional giving has to do with, uh, I realize that everything that has my name on it, whether it's a deed or a car title or a checking account, also has the name of Jesus on there. And I'm the minority owner, if you will. He's the majority owner, if you will. And if I've got $20 in my checking account that I think I need to spend on a book, but God thinks I need to give to the guy on the street corner, then missional giving says, this is God's money. I'm the channel for him to move his funds around as he sees fit. They're his assets, not mine. And so I give the money to the guy on the street corner rather than buying the book. And that's kind of the essence, I think, of what I was trying to communicate. Marty, we've talked about before, like, do we get to choose to live as either a, a barrel or a conduit? Yeah. Like a barrel is for collecting things yeah. for later use, you know, for me. Or as we can choose to live as a conduit of God's grace and generosity, and then he just keeps the wick open and it flows through. A conduit's like a pipe or yeah. a hose or whatever. Do you want to live as a barrel or, or, or a conduit? I th- <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great metaphor. And um, the problem is, is that we... We think that living as a barrel is the way to joy. Um, mm. we, 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 we have confused, I think, especially in the West and especially in America, we have confused uh, having things as the signal of God's blessing. Well, certainly that can be a signal of God's blessing, but it can also be a sign of God's challenge. If I entrust you with all of this, you know, are you going to do the right thing? Are you going to live as a conduit with all of these resources that you have at your disposal? And maybe it's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe you're a Mm. businessman who's so successful, makes money so fast, you can't even manage all of it well. Well, are you know, are you going to remain a conduit? Or does it then become a fear factor where you're like, if I don't hold on to all this, then I'm going to lose all of it. And then you lose the whole missional aspect of your of your finances. Some friends of ours a few years back in a missional community, they took those those big white sticky posties, you know, mm-hmm. like those ones you use at conferences, yeah. you know, they're giant post-it notes. And um, they, 
they said, hey, we're going we're gonna to do a little experiment. We're going to write down everything we've, we have, we've been given. Because we we're all born naked. We had nothing. And that's how we'll leave. <laughs> you know, we won't have yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and write down everything as a community that we own that we have mm-hmm. and and they start filling up this this uh this post-it note you know and they put down like you know okay we all had this many houses and cars and and then they start realizing oh, we have tools we have books wait a minute we have education we have they end up the whole the whole like living room and dining room area was all covered with these giant posties and small print there was tons of resource and and not just stuff resource yeah. but like skill and relational yeah. resource and all that and they and then they sat there and they were overwhelmed by it and and I, they were just average people i imagine any group of 12 or 15 people would have similar post it notes and then they said okay so why do you think god's poured this into our lives all this stuff you know it's certainly we get to enjoy it he's a good father but but what's what's going to bring him most glory and, yeah. and are we living as missionaries in light of all this mm-hmm. look at all this stuff look at all this resource hmm. And then he started trying to think about, okay, what do we, what do we do? What do we get to do with all that resource? That's, uh, that's very good. And it's, I think it is a question, uh, that all of us have to ask. Um, poor, poor people can be just as focused on the little they have as rich people are focused on the much that they have. So, Hmm. uh, greed or, uh, what's mine is mine is not just an affliction of the wealthy. It's an affliction of humanity uh, that often chooses to substitute God's blessings for God. And so uh, I think mm-hmm. it is a danger. One of the ways that God, uh, I think um, I think it is interesting that when Jesus had the opportunity to contrast two kingdoms, he contrasted God and stuff Mm. Not mm-hmm. God and Satan. Wow. Now, now, Mammon was, you know, kind of a a, a, a metaphorical name. Uh, it was an idea, but Mammon was the stuff God, for lack of a better term. And huh. so he could have he could have contrasted anything. You can't serve two masters. You can either love one and hate the other, or you know, love, hate the one and despite love the other. Whatever. You you can't serve both of them. You can't mm. serve God wow. and I mean, think about. The, <laughs> the entire Greek vocabulary or the entire uh, Aramaic vocabulary, he could have filled in the blank there, and it was basically sure. stuff. You can't serve God and stuff. And so when you think about that, what is, what's the, the big, big difference between God and stuff? God is intangible and stuff is tangible. And so the dichotomy that's there is, you, we can only serve God pleasingly by faith because we can't see him. We can only trust him. Stuff yeah. requires no faith whatsoever. I can reach out and open my door handle of my car. I can come in and I can sit down on my sofa. You know, I can, I can go out and I can have my lawnmower. Well, I can't anymore because I sold it, but I can have my weed eater and run around the yard. I can have that, that stuff. I can check my bank account on the app on my phone, which I can hold in my hand. Hmm. All of those things are tangible. And it becomes very, very easy to trust in the thing that is tangible over God who is intangible. And so Jesus yeah. gives us that option right there. You can, you can serve the one you can't see or you can serve the one you can see, but you can't serve them both. Wow, that's good, man. So very close friends of mine uh, 
Kevin and Tammy Turner, I don't know if they listen to the show this week or not, but uh, I know at least twice in their life, because of what you just said, Marty, they they actually got rid of everything they had. Wow. All their stuff. And they sit like, I remember one story him telling me like, so we're sitting on this really ripped up couch chair, like a chair, you know, and it was the only thing left because no one would take it. We couldn't give it away. Like even like the AMVETS, you know, in Salvation Army wouldn't take it. And we sat in our apartment saying, okay, Lord, now where, you know, Uh, like not what, but where. And and both times in their life, just abundance of how God said, well, my goal is not for you to have nothing, but they they wanted their hands open. They wanted their hearts clean. And it's it's a beautiful picture. I've not had the guts to do it. All right. So I've so Marty, in light of what you just said, why um, why is living with generosity so often portrayed, or even communicated, as just about your church getting more of our money? It's got to be much more than that, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Now part of that I think is there are there are legitimate critiques about churches that um, have budgeting strategies that require them to talk about money all the time. Um, hmm. I think that's problematic. Um, you know, if your church is building a building so big that the pastor has to talk about money in every sermon, I think you probably need to take a step back and figure out where you missed God. Um, sure. but, uh, but some people, so it can be a legitimate beef for some people. It is an excuse because here's the reality. If God says you can serve one or the other, you can serve me or you can serve your stuff. Well, if you're not serving God, then who is your little G God? Your little G sure. God is mammon. So if you come to church and the pastor says you should give 10% or you should give 15 or you should be generous, whatever your specific position is on how to interpret tithing and giving in the New Testament. Um, but if the pastor is teaching a series on that, for instance, or if he mentions it every other two or three you know, Sundays or whatever, just as a reminder and encouragement, a person whose yeah. God is their stuff is hearing that person, that pastor, talk about their God. He wants mm. me to give my God away. I mean, they would don't never po- say don't that. Don't poke my God. Don't they would poke never my God. say that. They, sure. would, they would never verbalize it that way. But that's what mm. it boils down to. Why, why else would you have such a visceral reaction when somebody says, well, to be obedient to God, you have to be willing to, to give to support the kingdom or give to the poor or give to send missionaries or any of these things that are biblically mm. sound. You know, I'm yeah. not talking about giving so the pastor can have a bigger house or another boat. I'm talking about biblically sound stuff. And people still have a visceral reaction against that. Well, it's because mm-hmm. we've intruded on their God space, and they, they got the wrong one. Wow. That's the that's the thing behind the thing, isn't it? It is. It really is. Um, that's why we, we see such low—in fact, I mean, I don't, I don't currently work on a staff of a church, but when I did, and I was privy to those budgets and helped set them, pretty large church— mm-hmm. um, uh, it was about 5%, I think it's the national average, of, of regular church attenders actually even give regularly, you know, tithe wow. or something consistent. Yeah. Now, I think our, that church did about six, six and a half, so Ooh. we were like rocking it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but that that means that most of the people are going like, no, you're not getting my God. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're poking, you're poking my idol here. And, and yeah. You know? I, I remember years ago, um, uh, I was working in a benevolent situation and, a lady came in, and I think they'd come in a couple of times before. And so I was, I was curious as to whether you know they were consistent with the Lord, or obedient to the Lord in their giving. And so I asked her, you know, do you give based on all that you make? And she said, well, yes. 
after we've paid our car bill and our rent and all of our electric bills and gas bills and bought all of our groceries and everything, we're generous with what <laughs> yeah. we have left. And I was like, I, you know, I really don't think that that's what God had in mind when he said give of the first fruits. It really sounds like you're giving yeah. of the last fruits. So, you know, there is that problem that people... Oops, no fruit left this month. Oops. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, and that's what it gets down to. Um, I, I made a habit for years. Sometimes I, I still do it. The way I get paid now isn't quite the same as when you get paid every week and you can have a routine. But uh, there, were, there were years that when I got paid, the very first check I wrote was our check that went to the ministry at our church. And every other bill, whether it was the mortgage or whether it was the lights or whether it was the car, if I had a different kind of bill, it came after that check. And that was, a, for me, it was a practical way of giving the first fruits. As a matter of priority of what we wanted to give to God, it was the first check that we wrote every single, every single week that we gave a check. So, uh, And I want to make sure our, our listeners aren't missing this today, what, what you're saying. It's not because you are supposed to. Or because that pleases God, and so therefore He like He's going to continue to bless your life and be generous to you. It's because you get to, and because of your love for Him, you choose to do that. In other words, you you get to give first fruits, sure, but not to, not to earn His love or your salvation or get your attaboy points from God or whatever. And that is, I think, so key to the heart of true generosity is that God loved us first. We didn't do anything to earn it. While we were still sinners, still jacked up, middle finger in the air to God, He came. And exchange places with us mm-hmm. that we might be saved and be born a second time to live life with him. He was generous unto death with us, not because he had to, it was supposed to, or because he was trying to prove anything to us. He loved us, and so he did it. And we get to be generous yep. in that same way. And that, what, a, what a huge difference in heart. And I think that's actually the thing behind the thing hmm. when it comes to such little generosity exhibited and experienced through God's family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good, man. Hey, so, uh, Marty, what would you say to somebody who can't really afford to give money? What would you say that they might give instead? Um, I would say that they should give money. Um, in fact, I think Jesus probably said that exact same thing. Um, hmm. There's this they story. They should give money. Yeah, they should, they should give money. See, I, I agree with you. Go ahead. I agree with you. So um, go ahead. There's, this, there's this awesome story that people like to talk about, but they don't really like to explore, where Jesus is in the temple with his disciples, and this is like the temple complex, so they're not like in the Holy of Holies getting ready to pour blood on the, you know, the altar or anything. <laughs> uh, they're in the temple complex where people would come in and give offerings. And so scripture says, and I love how it says this, Jesus was watching how they put their money into the offering box. And Mm. a bunch of people who were rich put in a lot. And then there was this one woman who came in and she was poor and she put in two mites. And you've probably heard half your life, the widow's mites. And that's where that comes from. Sure. But it was all that she had. Now, what's interesting about this is Jesus is standing there watching her do this. And he's watching how she does this. He calls his disciples over and uses her for an object lesson. He doesn't take up any money. He doesn't tell her, no, honey, you don't have enough money. You need to keep that. Don't you realize you're going to starve to death if you give your last two mites? He doesn't do any of that stuff. He uses her as an object lesson for his disciples. So if in in, uh, 2 Corinthians, I think, where Paul tells the the people there who are suffering from extreme poverty, hey, we're going to take up an offering for some people who are even worse off than you guys are. 
they're suffering from mm-hmm. a famine, and I've got some co- some uh, some assistants that are going to come by there. And not only do you need to give, you need to have your offering ready early, so it doesn't look like they're browbeating you for it. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So there there is there simply isn't an example that I can find in God's Word where there's this trade off for well, I can't afford to give money, so I'm going to give time. The reality mm. is, if I'm a believer, all of my time, all of my money, all of my life, all of everything that I have belongs to God. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. Somebody used to say, you, you tithe of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Well, that sounds great, and it probably is a good preaching point, but there's not a biblical foundation for the second two of those, or the first two of those to stand on. You can make an argument that you tithe of your treasure. You can't yeah. make an argument that you tithe of your time and your talent. I mean, what does that mean? That you go on the road, you know, in some burlesque show, but 10% of the time that you sing on the street corner hymns? I mean, how does that even work that you tithe of your time or your talent? The reality yeah. is, is that all of our time, all of our talents, all of our treasure belongs to God. And we don't get to trade off between the three about what we think we can afford and what we can't afford because God really has the right to take whatever we are anytime that he wants to because we're bought with that price. So let's just for a second here, and, and I guess as we're starting to move towards kind of wrapping up, let's take let's take for a second just set aside the giving that's like directly to the kingdom work, mm-hmm. you know, to, through our churches or through our communities, our congregational life. Um, generosity is a lifestyle. It's a heart uh, posture exactly. that we've been speaking about. What are some other ways that generosity gets reflected in our life and experienced uh, actively that's not connected to our local church body? I think um, being willing to uh, help people who we run across who are in need People who need us to, I mean, there is a reality about being generous with our time. Uh, I don't think you measure it, but if, if you're in the middle of doing something and someone stops and starts a conversation with you, being generous with your time means that I'm willing to, I'm willing to stop what I'm doing that's my preference and yield to this person who obviously has some kind of need or desire to be in conversation. Um, it, it may mean that, like my parents, who are retired and they spend a lot of their time taking people who are less healthy than they are to the doctor. Uh, my dad drives a man um, who's in their church who is blind, and my dad picks him up and takes him different mm-hmm. places where he needs to go. And this is this has been going on for several years. Um, so there there is a reality that all around us is the opportunity to be generous with our lives, to to live as if um, other people are more important or to be generous, at least as important as I am. And, you know, their plans and concerns are at least as important as mine. And so if I have an opportunity to, whether it's my neighbor um, who's, you know, whose leaves from his tree have blown over into my yard, uh, whether it's me raking up his leaves with mine or raking up some of his that aren't mine because, you know, it saves him the time of doing it or whether it's cutting someone's yard who 
you know, their lawnmower broke down or they're out of town for a week and we had a lot of rain and their grass shot up six inches and they're going to come back to the Amazon. Um, mm. You know, there's lots of ways just to be generous in life uh, that may cost us financially or it may cost us personally. But it certainly, I think, gives us the opportunity to display the life and the love of Christ to people who are outside of the kingdom. You know, you mentioned your parents there and some examples, and I, I just, I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking like, okay, so both my parents now have, have passed, um, but they were both very, very strong believers. And, and I remember thinking, you know, wow, I wish my parents kind of lived more missional lifestyle and community like we do and, you know, and all that stuff. But then I can remember at both my parents, two years apart at their, at their funerals, so many people, neighbors and workers and past workers and people they just had met over here serving in this little food bank or that like i mean like loads of people who came and had story after story after story about my parents and how yeah. their lives had touched them and it was always connected to generosity mm-hmm. it was always they did this for us so they gave that or they paid that bill at the time or they took our kids over and did that or we were we couldn't afford new shoes for the kids getting ready for school or we, they got them backpacks or they picked them up for years and years and years after school for us and just kept them fed them snacks and then they did their homework and eventually that's how we actually started going to church with them and met the lord and i mean it was i'm no exaggeration it was just story after yeah. story after story and and it all flowed from generosity now that's all on top of they were crazy financial givers both mm-hmm. to their church and mm-hmm. i mean they had lists of missionaries and photos all over the world and kids and you know they supported us when we were church planners i mean they just I, and i'm talking about in retirement they yeah. just gave and gave and gave but but you know like we talk about like scripture doesn't show us tithing time right per se right. but it is a, it is a resource that we've been given sure. and it's one of those rare resources that like unlike money we can get more of stuff we can get more of time it's very, very finite. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that generosity, like you're talking about with your parents and with mine, it flowed out of them giving themselves their time away. Yep. They gave themselves away, just like God has done with us. Yep. So. Dude, well, Marty, it's always good talking to you, man. I Hopefully we get to do this again, have you on the show again, hey, we'll find awesome. another topic to chat about. I'd love to. There's so, mu- there's so much we could go into this and get into that and how, how this breaks down in our life. But wow, this is this is a lot of good food for thought for myself, Marty. Thank you. And for, for the folks that tune into Life School every week. Thank, thank you. Thank you all. Hey, if you're listening to the show right now and you're kind of wanting to go a little bit deeper on this topic, I want to remind you that episode 126 was about how money affects your significance and security, and that would be a good episode to kind of jump back to right now if you want yeah, to. Yeah, that'll, that'll uncover a little bit of the lack of generosity thing that we all experience, perhaps, yeah, right? Because, absolutely. Yeah, it, it does affect how we view ourselves and view God, right? So yeah. it fits right in. And if you want to get a copy of Marty's book, you can grab that on Amazon. It's uh, called The Generous Soul, a book I read a few years ago, like I said, that set up the trajectory. Of- we'll throw the link right on the show notes there for you, yeah. right on the site, and you can just, boom, right straight to Amazon and get it for yourself. So that'd be awesome. Yeah. Caesar, uh, it's time to get to the big three, which is the three kind of takeaways we want people to leave with. And the way you get those is by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 154. Uh, what were your big three takeaways from this week? Wow. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to try to hit them head, heart, hands like we always do. Kind of like what we need to know, what yep. we need to believe, and then how we get to start get started on some new stuff. Sure. Okay. So first, uh, big take. one of the big takeaways for me was that God has given all of us so many resources. Like mm. we were talking about, like we weren't born with them, right? And God certainly wants us to be blessed by these things and enjoy them 
you know, he's a good father, right? Yep. But how will we then choose to use these resources to bless others and show them God's generosity through the rhythms of our normal life? Hmm. Like not just taking them for granted, but, but looking over them and, and, and rehearsing like, wow, look at that, you know? So. Yeah. No, it's a good one. All right. Number two. All right. That, that stuff that Marty was talking about that you cannot serve God and mammon. And he mm. said, you know, that mammon was basically the stuff God. Yeah, that was and that, good. what a cool comparison there, right? And for so many people, okay, and we're speaking specifically about Christians here today, um, they clearly worship their stuff more than God, as mm. evidenced by how they use it or spend it. So little generosity. And so when you ask those types of people uh, who worship their stuff God um, to, to you know, people in our churches to give or be generous to others, we're, we're in fact asking them to give away their God's Hmm. And they're going to say no way. So if if you're one of these people that rarely gives to church, and you got all kinds of theological reasons and all that, it's like mm, sure. you know what, you got a mammon issue. <laughs> you know, mm. yep. if if you're one of these people that's like, well, I give to a whole bunch of other things generous, generous generously. Yep. Um, do you really consistently and all that? And then great, awesome, because yeah. you've been given so much. And I know in my own life, I slip in and out of sometimes worshiping stuff God. Sure. Right. So yeah, me too. remember, you can't serve both. Yeah. Like it doesn't say you can sort of, and sometimes you can, you know, pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not happening. And then the third thing is, is I think um, that, that I need, and this is my takeaway, but they'll make it as a big three is I need to remember and rehearse God's abundant generosity in my life hmm. and let that motivate my generosity with others. Absolutely. man. I, I can so focus on lack or what I want next, or I'd like to earn this much next year, or I wish I had that in my life. Um, and it's you know it's kind of like that illustration my you know friends I said that they kind of took the giant posties post and put all over yeah. right, and I want to suggest you know here's the here's the sort of rubber on the road plan generosity into your budget and lifestyle hmm. right like in your you know you put your list like you know housing clothes yeah, like a line item yeah. put a line item even if it's a little bit like you know every every month we're gonna set aside twenty five bucks and and we're gonna let the kids help us decide who do we bless with it or 50 yeah. bucks or whatever, let it grow, right? But but plan generosity into your budget. You know, and it's not about the, mo- the amount. It's kind of like the widow and her two mites. Sure. Right? It's about living out of the generosity that we've received from God, magnified in and through Christ, obviously, wow, um, with others with intentionality. Sure. Not just when we get roped into it or someone's, you know, you really should, you know, or the pastor's on you about a giving program or whatever. Um, but but that we'll do it with intentionality. So that's mm. why I love budgeting it in. You yeah. know, it's just like at least some, right? So I always say, bounce your last check. You can't take it with you anyway. Live generously. Like skip the it. last one. You're like, I used it all. It's yeah. all in the game. It's all in the kingdom. <laughs> Dude, those are three great takeaways from uh, from this from this episode. Um, and again, you can get those by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 154. Uh we have to wrap up the show right now, but we want to invite you also to join our Facebook group, Deeper Discussion. Keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Go to Life School uh, Podcast up in the search bar on Facebook um, and join the conversation there. Love that. I love doing that. Whenever we get those, it's never a hassle. It's like, oh man, great. More comments. Let's go. And I know most people, I don't know what the, there's statistics out there. It's like 89% of people never post anything, but yeah. they'll sign up so they want to read it. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah, engage. Live generously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> engage. Ask a question. Make a comment. Yeah. Share something God said to you when you heard the episode. Really, live yeah. generously with the Life School podcast group on Facebook. That'd be awesome. Yeah, love that. Is the way we do evangelism changing for the church today? 
We're going to talk about that next week on the Life School Podcast. See you next week as we talk about evangelism. Everybody <laughs> loves that. No bullhorns allowed. All right. Yeah, no megaphones. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. Mm-hmm.